Welcome to another episode of Monday, Monday Afternoon, afternoon Theologian. Hey there, Mr. Rick over in Colorado. So good to see you again, my good friend. It's been a while between a bunch of life-happening things. It's been a significant amount of time since we've yeah. shared this screen together. I'm glad to be back in a sense of normalcy. What is normal anyway? But, you know. Yeah, especially a normal C. I've heard of a high C, staff C, low mm -hmm. C, C flat. That's right, vitamin C. And high C, the drink mix that was tasted like the. Isn't that the stuff the astronauts drank? I thought that was Tang. Oh, that was Tang. You're right. It was Tang. Not to be confused with Stang or Sting. <laughs> Who played bass and sang and was in a couple of movies in his younger years. It's so easy for us to bounce around and digress. Speaking <laughs> of which, have you noticed that in the news these days, there's been a bunch of bouncing around and folks are claiming, gee, you took that out of context. Mm -hmm. I have tended to notice that, yes. Yeah, and, and <laughs> even if it is in context, they claim it's out of context. Right. And they're so good at grabbing a little snippet from this thing and playing it and saying, see, you said that. So we're just going to give those of you who might be detractors of ours, if you are an opponent, we're just going to give you this one and you can use this as your title to confront us. And it's that you're going to pick up on two words and it can be your clickbait title. And that is no resurrection. No resurrection. We said it, no resurrection, but we're going to be talking about what would happen if there were no resurrection from the dead. And the good news is we're going to back it up with not only scripture, but also some thoughts by some, some pretty bright folks who have walked through this. Yeah. And we're going to see that if there's no resurrection, this is not only not scriptural, but there's a lot of things that don't happen. And that kind of contradicts a whole bunch of the Bible. Yeah, no kidding. It is a bad thing when these things don't happen. And it would be something that if we were to put ourselves into those fast forward the videos of our lives scenarios and say, what would my life look like if these things did not happen? It would be pretty bad. Yeah. And as we've talked about before, this comes right out of the headlines. Now, this was a pretty obscure headline, and you could almost say that the author of the article entitled Growing Doubts About the Resurrection of the Dead mm -hmm. was kind of taking it out of context because he went through after that title and said, here's why this title is incorrect, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of what we're going to do today. Right. You know, when we start to look at some of the ramifications of if there is no resurrection, if Christ was not resurrected from the dead, then essentially we're still dead in our sins and our faith is meaningless. Yeah, that's pretty serious stuff. Yeah, it uh, kind of contradicts everything else that we see in the scriptures. So we want to take a hard look at that, because if there is no resurrection, particularly no resurrection of Christ, then mm -hmm. we basically have no, no hope. Yeah. And he says, we of all people, we who claim to believe in a resurrection and in Christ who was resurrected, if we believe that and we've been proclaiming it and living our life as that as our primary purpose, then we're pretty pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> and we of all people should be just in bad shape if that's true. Yeah, because you have to go, what's the point? Why would we 
spend all of our time, all of our energy, all of our resources pushing this message if it's not true. Right. So we like to camp out on some of these reasons why we think the resurrection is so vital, because we do, contrary to the clickbait title, <laughs> if somebody uses that and says that they heard us say no resurrection, we want you to know that these things are so important that we think it's vital that people learn why the resurrection is important, because these are things we would miss if there were no resurrection. That's where we're going today. Yeah, and we're going to take some excerpts and expand a little bit on an article by a gentleman named Tom Smith. Mm -hmm. We're going to put the link to the article so that you've got access to that, because we always want to bring the receipts so that you can look at it yourself and right. not just take our word for it. And he titled his article, 12 Great Matters We'd Miss If There Were No Resurrection. Thank you, Tom, for putting this in such good order for us. We're just using it in your order because we couldn't improve on it. That's for and, sure. And because we are trying to be authentic with where we're coming from, uh, if we are excerpting from somebody else, we want to give you that link so you can look at it for yourself and see that we're trying not to clickbait somebody else. We're not trying to grab things out of their context either. We want to try to be as forthright and living in the light. We have nothing to hide. We're putting it right out there and just uh, leaving it there for you to make your own determination about whether you agree with it or not. And it's interesting that Tom starts out literally with the statement, no resurrection of the dead. Yeah. But he goes on to explain a little bit, saying that this saying was one of the most damaging and destructive heresies circulated among the Corinthian believers at the time the Apostle Paul wrote his first epistle to them, which was around AD 59. Yep. Which I might point out is very close to the original sources, eyewitness sources from which we get most of the New Testament. Just, again, part of that uh, apologetics clarification to say we have good reason to believe this stuff. So well, let's take a look at one of the passages Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. It's coming from chapter 15, which is just the source of a whole bunch of really good stuff. Mm -hmm. We're just going to look at the verses 12 through 14, where Paul wrote, but if Christ has proclaimed that he has been raised from the dead, how is it that some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, neither has Christ been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is vain, and your faith is vain also. Which is saying, there's no point to it. It has no value. What you're doing basically is stupid because you're proclaiming something that's not true. And as we said before, what's the point? Right. And there may be some who would say, well, that Christianity stuff is really good for you. I'm glad it's working for you. But if they really dug into it and realized what they were saying by that, if they thought that what we believed was a myth, then they would basically be saying, it's good that you're deluded enough to believe in a myth, and that makes you happy. It comes right out of headlines today. There's all sorts of stuff going on out there that people are saying, well, if you believe that, it's okay, even though you're mentally ill. Right. That. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's healthy at all either no. psychologically or theologically. That's just not healthy. So we have to ask then, why did Paul take this saying of no resurrection of the dead so seriously? Mm -hmm. What makes the resurrection so vital to our Christian faith, even today? Well, let's dive into them. I'll start with number one, and we can kind of alternate uh, or interrupt each other, which we do a lot anyway. <laughs> but let's talk about these 12, and I'll hit number one here, of one of the great matters we would miss if there were no resurrection. 
Here's one. God would be the God of the dead, not a God of the living. And that comes from Matthew 22, 32, which says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Yeah, and I think that's so important because Christ himself said, I came that they might have life and life more abundant. Mm -hmm. It's not like, okay, well, we're just preparing you to die because that's the end. So many times he moved forward and said things like, if it were not so, I, I wouldn't have told you that there is a place that I'm preparing for you in the future mm -hmm. because we are going to live forever in heaven together. And we're just putting in our time here until everything is fulfilled according to God's will. And therefore, we have much to look forward to, not just a grave. Amen to that, brother. That, that'll just flat out preach. <laughs> yes, it will. Perhaps you can use that in uh, one of your sermons. You might have to do that. Uh, what would number two be on this list of 12? Number two, if Christ had not been raised from the dead, he would be a dead Savior, not a living one who lives forever. And if we look at a couple of the scriptures here, uh, one comes from Revelation 1. It says, I am the living one. I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. What a strong statement. He's saying, I have overcome death, and I am now in charge of the living and the dead. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we see later in Revelation, there are those who go to fullness of life and those who don't, those who end up in the lake of fire, which is not a happy place. And then also in Hebrews chapter 7, it says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. That's right. And this particular point points to the fact that when Christ would cast out demons from people, which he did often in the New Testament, it's recorded, they knew who he was and they feared him because they knew they're going to get their comeuppance. Something was going to happen in the future and it was not going to be good for them. So they clearly understood that Christ, if he was going to conquer death, was going to conquer sin and Satan. And because they were on Satan's team, something bad was going to happen to them too. So we can see it all through the New Testament. There was a juxtaposition between the one who came to give life abundant, Jesus, and the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy, Satan. And Christ, through his resurrection, did away with death, and he's going to conquer Satan once and for all time. And we also see here with the use of a particular word, we see how we're relating to the Trinity because mm -hmm. he talks about the intercession and we see the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Even when we don't know how to pray, he's there working for us. If Christ were dead, how would he be able to do that? Because it says that he lives to intercede for us and therefore he and the Holy Spirit are on the same page and they're working for our ultimate best, our ultimate abundant life. Um, I think that includes some of our time here on earth, even though we do have challenges and trials and tribulation, sure. but we're looking forward to a time when all of the stuff that we see here today is passed away and we're in eternity in paradise. All three of the persons of the Trinity are working towards that all the time. That's a good point. And it's one that it's a little sneaky to find it, but when you see it, the light bulb goes on and you go, oh, yeah, I can see it. All three of the persons of the Holy Trinity are at work in this process. So how about our third point here? Number three of the 12 things we would miss if there were no resurrection is there would be no living proof of our being justified by his death coming to us from Romans 425. 
he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Big deal. That's the purpose of his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's the purpose of the gospel for us to become aware of that. And if he wasn't raised for our justification, then we're no longer justified or we had not ever been justified. Yeah. Because he took our sins on the cross, he died and he was raised from the dead, at which point the father acknowledged the payment for that sin. You know, he shed his blood, he died. It says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But it was that resurrection that says, yes, I take that payment and I now apply it to the lives and the sins of every believer from history past through history future. And it's all going to come together at some time. And that second coming is something that we look forward to. It is indeed. That's good. And the reason that we can look forward to it is because he was resurrected and therefore our sins have been paid for. And therefore, his cloak of righteousness was placed over our dirty rags. And so now when we're presented with him, because the Bible also tells us that we are hidden with God in Christ, if we are under his covering that way, under that cloak of righteousness. And so when, when he appears, we will appear with him and say, no, I'm with him. And that's why he's going to let us in. Yeah, and that's such a, such a beautiful picture to realize that mm-hmm. our sins are no more. They've been washed away, as I, I wrote in one of my, my plays, into a sea of nothingness. They don't exist anymore. It's as if they didn't happen because we have been justified through our faith and because Christ shed blood covered them all. That forgiveness is now put upon us, and we are in the sight of the Father as righteous as his Son, which to me is mind-boggling. Yeah, and what a comfort. Because don't we all long for that forgiveness and to be able to say, I am tired of this guilt and this shame. I need that to be gone. And he does. And he puts it right into that sea of nothingness. That's a great mental picture for me to think of that. It's almost like a black hole that swallows it up and we don't have to worry about it anymore. How about number four, Rick? Number four, there would be no imparting of life. And we're going to take a look at John 12, 24, where it says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. A perfect picture of what we see once we become a believer, you look at the the various seed parables, you know, Mm -hmm. some fall on, on the good ground and their roots grow deep and they produce, you know, 70, 100 fold. You know, it's just a process by which as we grow in our discipleship, we are finding disciples to move forward in their life so that they can find disciples. And it's uh, life giving life to life through the many generations of believers as we impact others. Yeah. And Jesus was the first one to die and then produce fruit because he was literally planted in the ground, so to speak. That was a pretty good mental picture, death, burial for three days and then raised to new life. And then those of us who follow him die to the old life. We die to sin and we are raised in a new life to walk with Christ. And that's what makes us fruitful as well. And we can become some of that good soil kind of believers, like you were saying. So what about number five? Number five on this list of 12 things that we would miss, big important things we would miss if there were no resurrection. There would be no regeneration. And there are a couple of different passages that we can draw from to give us a picture about that. 
Jesus answered very truly here again, like you said, Rick, when he says very truly, it means listen up, y'all. <laughs> very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And then praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Yeah, I find it interesting in the First Peter 1 passage where it says, given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So he's reinforcing the fact that he was actually dead. Mm -hmm. And if it's not true, then no scripture is worth the paper it's printed on. Yeah, Because it's saying something that's false. What's the point of reading it? It might as well be fiction off the New York Times bestseller list. Right. If he's not resurrected and the book says he is resurrected, then it's contradicting itself and the rest of it is pointless. That's true. It would completely be illogical. And there's no reason for it to have existed as the most popular book in history for low these many years. Yeah, very good. Uh, how about number six on the list? Number six, there would be no renewing. And we find uh, a passage here in Titus says he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Mm. If he hadn't been resurrected, then none of that, again, would be worth anything. There would be no washing of rebirth. There would be no forgiveness of sin. There would no be renewal of our spirit by the Holy Spirit. And everything we would do is pointless. Yeah, no kidding. I've enjoyed watching some things that become analogies to me. I watched this show called American Restoration, and it's where this guy takes old, broken down, rusty stuff, and they completely restore it until it looks like it came right off the factory floor. It's just brand new and pristine and totally functioning the way it was intended to. In a sense, that's how I think of this renewal process for us, that we are broken down because of our selfish, sinful tendencies, and because Christ, through his resurrection, takes care of that, then he also renews us and restores us into the original form we were meant to be in so that we can function purposefully in the purpose that we were created for in the first place. And it's a beautiful picture because we're shining because of what he's done for us. And if there were no renewing, I would think, bleh, that's not fun. I don't want to live my life being junked out and rusty and not living a purposeful life when I know that God can renew my spirit and give me a purposeful life so that I'm actually functioning in a way that would be beneficial to so many other people on the planet, not to mention the fact that it's preparing me for eternity. Yeah. If I think of my unrenewed self, I just go gross. Yeah. It's just gross. There's a, a program I watch kind of the same thing. It's called rust to riches. And these guys take beater cars, mm -hmm. sometimes just a shell. And when they're done with it, it is so immaculate. It is yeah well beyond the original. Often, they completely transform it into something new. And I see that as an analogy as well, because yeah. the, the scriptures tell us that when we're born again, we become new creation. Right. And uh, we're, we're made for newer, better, cleaner, brighter, more chrome things. Yeah. You know, yeah. as we move through life, I kind of like that analogy as well. 
That's a good one. I love it too. Hey, fellow theologians. We got a little bit lengthy on this particular episode, so we're splitting it into two parts. And for your numbers 7 through 12 in our outline of the things we would miss if there were no resurrection of Christ, you can pick up on part two of episode four. See you there.